Hey, Packaging Peeps, it's Avelio Matos on Package Design Unboxed. Last week, I recorded a midnight episode of Sustainable Packaging. Tonight, I'd like to finish that and share a little bit more insights into sustainable packaging. If you didn't get last week's episode, you can pause this now and listen to episode 55 called The Top 10 Secrets of Designing Sustainable Packaging Revealed. I'm sure it was more than 10, but 10 sounded like a good number to put in that title. Uh, so... You know, if you go back and listen to it, in it, we tackle a couple of different things. We talk about sustainable packaging, you know, what it is and what it isn't, the sustainability of your business. We talk about LCAs. We discuss my personal approach to designing sustainable packaging. We talk about shipping pallets and maximizing container loads to reduce your carbon footprint, master cartons and product count, the pros and cons of different types of papers, you know, PCW, FSC, hemp, cotton, new alternative papers, compostable materials. I also give you a list of suppliers for each of those types of papers. Um, we get into plastics. We talk about plastics, sustainability, recycling, monomaterial, bioplastics, bio uh, keepsake packaging, reusable packaging, poly bags, poly mailers, foil, tissue paper, you know, a ton of different things. You know, that's all in uh, last in last week's episode, episode 55. You know, go ahead and take a listen, comment. Or even just reach out to me if you have any questions on anything, any of the topics I've covered. Um, tonight, I want to pick up right where we left off. I want to talk about reduce, reuse, and recycle. Uh, I mean, what the hell does that mean? Right? And how do I, as a consumer, differentiate between the three? Well, let's say that you're hungry. Right? So here's kind of a, a story. Like, here's how I'm going to pose reduce, reuse, and recycle. Right? Let's say that you're hungry and sitting on a table is an empty plate a coconut, and a banana. Right? If you want to reduce, you choose the empty plate. You wouldn't eat anything, right? Because that's the most sustainable thing that you can do. If you're a brand, this would mean reducing the number of SKUs that you offer or reducing the number of products that you release per year. Um, and reducing, you know, you might also end up reducing your profit, uh, your operating capital, your staff, and your global impact. Makes sense? But it also doesn't allow you as a brand to support the families of all those employees that you had to reduce. You've reduced uh, your product, your, your packaging, all these different things that you've reduced, but you're still hungry, right? You've had an empty plate. So now all, you, all that's left on the table is reuse and recycle the coconut and the banana. If you choose to reuse, then you choose the coconut, right? You eat the flesh, you reuse the shell for a cup, decoration, you know, maybe use the husk uh, to start a fire and provide you warmth, electricity, energy. You know, this is a great, you know, as a as a reusability of the coconut, it's going to provide you with you know with cups and drink water and collect things, all these cool things that you can do with this coconut shell. Um, but after how many coconuts are you going to have enough shells that you no longer want to keep these and reuse them? Right? Is it after two coconuts? After ten coconuts? Fifteen coconuts? It may be different for everybody, but everyone has a number where they max out on your product on your reusable packaging. Consider your reusable packaging or like keepsake packaging when you know your when your design team is in the creative development phase and they're throwing out ideas about all the different ways that your consumer can reuse this box, right? And everybody gets super excited about how they can use it to store their cosmetics or they can store their jewelry in it. They can give it to their kids to play. Somebody always says, "Hey, this box is perfect. You can give it to your kids and they can play with it." After your kids are done playing with it, it's going in the trash. It's not like a keepsake. 
sounds like all these wonderful ideas in the development phase uh, of design. And you, as a designer, you kind of feel like you're tackling the issue. You're coming up with something new. I've got packaging. You can cut out you know, this cat head out of the... You, know, you can cut out these holes in it and a cat can use it as a, as a house. You know, but after your cat shits in it, you got to throw it away. You know, it, it, have you cut up so many pieces that all the small pieces don't get recycled anymore? Like, really, let's really think about some of these things. Um, and then, you know, when you're in that meeting, it really feels like you're like you're doing something, you're coming up with great ideas. But trust me, I've, I've had this conversation with enough creative directors where I've had to talk them off the ledge of reusable packaging that can double as like a jewelry box. Um, so like one, if a consumer can afford your product, like he was always looking at it, right? Like number one, like if, if a consumer can buy your product, they probably already purchased a way to store their jewelry, right? And they aren't, they're not buying your product in order to store their jewelry. They want the product. So take the money that you would spend to make your packaging more of a keepsake and put that into your product to make your product better and last longer. You know, save the money on your packaging and make your packaging easy to recycle. Two, uh, I don't know, are you planning on your consumers only buying one of your product? Like just buying it once and that's it? Or do you want them to buy your product multiple times? You know, if, if I was to talk to your finance, to, to your finance team, they're probably going to agree with me and say that they want recurring purchases in order to build your brand. So if consumers are buying your product more frequently, then again, back to the coconuts, how many boxes do they need to keep before they max out and they feel they've got enough jewelry, like enough places to store their jewelry? Right? You're going to get to the point where you don't need more boxes and they've got to go somewhere. Now, my last point on keepsake or reusable packaging is what I always say, which is on a long enough timeline, everything's going to go to the landfill. And at some point, consumer, that consumer is going to buy Go out and buy a jewelry box and they don't need your paper box to store their jewelry in or whatever the toys are that they're putting in there. At some point, we all move and we need to pare down all of our belongings. You know, your box is not going to be one of the things that gets moved. It's probably going to go. So just plan on your packaging going to the landfill or the recycling center. Then all that's left on that table, you know, you're hungry, you had an empty plate, you had a coconut and a banana. What's left is a banana sitting there staring at you with your hungry eyes you, know, you you peel that thing open you eat the banana and then you've got this banana peel you can squeeze it extract the oils out of it um, and make a rum right you can make a rum out of banana peels not unlike what i'm drinking tonight but you've recycled it and honestly you've like i'm gonna say that you've upcycled it if you've taken a banana peel and turn it into alcohol but those are like the, you know when you're talking about the differences between reduce reuse and recycle is that as a business, reduction isn't about less packaging. Packaging makes up less than 5% of your product's carbon footprint. So even if you reduce your packaging's carbon footprint by 50%, you haven't touched 97.5% of your carbon footprint. You know, reducing has more to do with your product than it does with packaging. It has more to do with your supply chain, your business operations, than your packaging. And yeah, you should reduce your packaging where you can, but it's not a magic bullet. It's not going to all of a sudden change the planet. We're using packaging. Like, look at the entire process, right? So we talked about re reduce, reusing your packaging. Look at the full process for reusing packaging. You know, to, if we're talking about refillable packaging, where is a consumer going to have to ship that in order to get you to refill it and reuse it and ship it to somebody else? You know, uh, or what type of initial packaging are you going to use? You know, does it have to be aluminum? Does it have to be steel? 
uh, so that it can be reused multiple times. It can be cleaned and reprocessed and filled with product again and shipped out to somebody else. You know, what kind of, you know, you're, you're using more material. And what kind of material is that? It's probably going to be more expensive. You know, consider the carbon impact of shipping this heavier packaging multiple times versus something that's lighter that can be recycled. You know, stop thinking of your packaging as like a keepsake unless you're, unless you're Tiffany, um, Louis Vuitton, Chanel. There's a few brands out there where there's a good chance people are going to keep that packaging. Uh, but for the most part, most people are actually going to keep your packaging not long enough to make an impact. You know, you're, you're, you're imagining everybody's keeping this packaging because you've designed it and you've fallen in love with it. And you, you can picture people putting it in their medicine cabinet or uh, in their jewelry box. Guaranteed, less people will do that and most, more people will recycle or landfill this thing. So just make sure that you're doing something smart about that. And then recycling, right? Like taking that, you know, just taking that banana peel and turn it into rum. Recycling is where magic happens. Uh, designing packaging that's meant to be recycled, using materials that are that are in demand by the MRFs. Uh, it's how you can help. Make your packaging easy to recycle for everybody. Be the banana. Make sure that your packaging is recycled and not downcycled. Now, big important point here. We've got our first sponsor, International Direct Packaging. International Direct Packaging is the only factory direct packaging manufacturer with global showrooms, they design and produce packaging for established luxury brands. Because IDP's team of packaging experts design and manufacture packaging, you get a more transparent supply chain, and you're also not going to be paying distributor markups. Find the nearest IDP showroom to schedule your first packaging consultation at idpdirect.com. Because IDP doesn't source factories, they are the factory. idpdirect.com. If you're using low-grade materials or combining materials, that's a great way you know, to get your packaging downcycled. Downcycling is when your packaging, you know, if you've got paperboard, it doesn't get turned into paperboard anymore. It gets downcycled into drywall, or if you've got plastics, it goes into asphalt. You know, it's it's a it's a linear path to nowhere, um, and it can't be used in packaging anymore. It can't come back again. And there's no recycling. There's no circular motion. Uh, happening there, so you know, just just know that anything that gets downcycled can still have the recycle symbol on it, because technically downcycling is recycling. Um, you know, those chasing arrows, the logo, the recycle symbol. That just means that that product, that packaging, whatever it has that symbol on, has the potential to be recycled. You know, it's not a guarantee; it's a potential that it can be recycled. So don't be fooled. Decide what you want to eat either an empty plate, a coconut, or a banana, and proceed accordingly. Now, if we're talking about reducing, what you can do in regards to your packaging could be to create a modular packaging system. You know, this is a way to reduce the amount of packaging that you generate. It also helps control how you dispense this packaging. Now, I say dispense because if you've ever gotten napkins at a fast food restaurant, you either, you either get way too many that you don't use them all, or you don't get enough. Packaging is no different. If you create like a modular system that allows you to dispense the right amount of packaging under a different, you know, variety of different scenarios. For example, like if you're in retail, if you go into a store and you walk out, you know, you buy a t-shirt and they put it in a big giant bag, that's too much packaging. That's way too much paper for the purchase. Um, if you, you know, if you've ever gotten a pair of shoes and you, they give you a box, obviously the shoes come in a box and then they give you a bag that's way too big. You probably put like three boxes in there. It's too much packaging. So um, 
in terms of like how do you dispense the right amount of packaging. So if you're in retail and we're talking about shopping bags, right? You want to design a shopping bag that makes sense for the products that you sell, which seems super basic, right? It's like a no-brainer. But 90% of the retailers out there are using stock bag sizes. Now I wrote about this years ago um, with the dye line and what you know, doing the research into these bag sizes. These bag sizes were developed over 50 years ago, and they they've got names. So there's like there's a Cub, there's a Vogue, there's a Queen, a bunch of other names, but those are like the stock sizes. Those are the sizes that packaging manufacturers that made that sold bags buy these bags from overseas and store them, and that's how they would order them. And it was like an eight by four by eight or eight by four by six like all these different sizes had all these specific names and that's how they stored them yeah and these <clears throat> that's how they stored them these were the sizes the bags came in and and that's what it was you know you'd order 500 cubs and you'd ask the you know you'd ask you'd call in and say hey i want to order 500 cubs uh, i need you to hot stamp my logo frank's pedicure salon right on the on the front of the bag in hot pink or whatever color it was you know i want black bags with a black candle and said, I want black bags with a white handle. You'd say, nope, black bags, the cub only come with a black handle. You're like, fine, I'll take it. Because that's how that's how bag sizes kind of works. Uh, but today's everything, everything's like super customized, right? Everything is customized to the brand. Like the, the hangers are customized, the entryway to the store, the website, the way the store smells, like everything is customized. If you ever walked into like a Tommy Bahama, it smells completely different than if you walk into a Pacific Sunwear. You know, everything is built around the brand. Now, every retailer continues to use these old sizes, even if it doesn't fit their product, which is stupid. It's irresponsible and it's definitely not sustainable. So here's how you design a modular system. Divide up all your products into small, medium, and large orders, right? Based on the popular orders, not product individually. Like, don't take all your small shirts and size those that way. What are the, you know, what are your top orders in different sizes? You know, what does a small order look like? For example, is it, if you're a cosmetic store or like a department store, is it a lipstick, a cosmetic palette, and a face peel? Like, does, is that what a small order looks like to you? If you're, you know, if, if you're a, a fashion brand, is it two pairs of socks, a panty, and a tank top? You know, if you're an e-com brand, is it... Uh, a tube of deodorant, uh, you know, a face mask, and a face wash. You know, like what are the what's what are the products that you typically get orders on that you can divide into? This is my small popular order, my medium popular order, my large popular order. You know, whatever those are, whatever those are, identify the sizes that are going to cover your most popular orders. Now, do the same for the medium and the large. Once you've got those volumes, you can reconfigure the dimensions to be able to result in the small being a fraction of the medium and the medium being a fraction of the large. So what I mean is like if you needed to ship out two small orders to the same person that you could put those two orders instead of putting them into two small boxes, you could actually put them into a medium. And if you had somebody that ordered two medium volumes worth of product that it could actually ship out into a large, right? And, and that's the way you work it, right? So if, Somebody ordered two small, two small orders worth and a medium orders worth. Technically, that would be able to fit into a large. And the reason that you want to break it up this way is 
you end up using less boxes, right? The goal here is to use as few sizes as possible. You're not having to produce 15 different sizes of bags, 15 different sizes of boxes, 15 different sizes of shipping boxes. And I've been to some retailers where, you know, they've got 80 different sizes or a million different orders. If you order a t-shirt, they put it in a poly mailer. If you order two t-shirts or a shirt with a collar, then it goes into an apparel box with a corrugated mailer. And, you know, if you order a pair of shoes, then it goes into a, a, a different type of paperboard wrap. Uh, there's like so many different things, so much waste that happens because it hasn't been done correctly. Uh, and you know you can't blame the retailers because what happens is you're working with a distribution center. Distribution center, they've got a lot of experience, but they also um, are representing your brand. They're there to find the fastest, easiest way to place their to to fulfill your orders. And if that means that they run out of a certain box, they're going to place an order for a different box size and not even tell you about it. That's just kind of the way that works. So you got to make sure that you take control of that and try to minimize and train them how to pack everything up. And the reason this is important when we're talking about sustainability is you've got, you know, 45 different sizes of packaging versus being able to narrow it down to just 15 pieces that can cover all of your orders. That's a lot less waste. It's a lot less waste. It's a lot tighter of a pack. There's less air that you're shipping and being more efficient. Also, from a brand from a brand perspective, you're probably spending a lot less money because you're able to place larger orders of these individual boxes versus uh, placing smaller orders of many boxes. So again, just you know, looking at these things from sustainability, from the planet, but also from your business. How can you sustain your business if you're wasting all this money? It's really difficult. But of course, listen to the last episode. You hear how to maximize your container in order to identify the most efficient box sizes to start with. So, you know, you can figure out what your, your order sizes are. Uh, also look at your container and how to, you know, listen to the other episode and kind of walk through like how to maximize the container size, pallet load, master cartons to get some general uh, ideas of, of proportions to use. Um, this is kind of working from your product up. That was working from the container down. You can do both ways and really get a good solution for something that's going to be really uh, more sustainable. Now, since we're talking about sizing, let's talk about your small package. I need a drink for that one. All right. Anything smaller than three inches, but the size of your fist is going to have a hard time getting separated. Meaning there's a high likelihood that it's going to end up in a landfill, regardless of what materials you've chosen. Right, so you could have chosen mushroom packaging, um, you know, compostable seaweed and dirt packaging, like whatever it is that you that you've chosen. If it's smaller than three inches, it's not going to get separated properly. It's not going to go to the appropriate uh, recycling stream. Uh, it'll probably just go go to the landfill. Um, and the reason for that, I've touched on this before, is that uh, the separating process is really built for larger items, for flat corrugate, for larger plastic items. And there's just too many gaps in the initial screens that separate everything for all these small products to fall through. Now they fall through, they land on conveyors below there, that gets separated out. But chances are the smaller stuff, it's not going to get recycled. So when we're talking about that, 
lipstick tubes, makeup palette, cosmetic palettes, medicine bottles. That stuff probably won't get recycled. It's just too small to be sorted. So if that's your product, then how can you be more sustainable? You really can't. Not in the sense of what happens end of life, but you can make better choices in the beginning. You can choose to have you know, high post-consumer waste material. So you know high PCW content in your paperboard, um, high PCR in your plastic um, lipstick dispenser. Although lipstick dispensers typically have, lipstick tubes typically have a multitude of different plastics in there, which means that even if it was large enough, it wouldn't get recycled because you can't separate all those pieces. So try to keep things monomaterial. Um, you can use either paper or plastic. You know, use whatever you want, but use still be smart about the materials that you're choosing. Plastics, monomaterial as much as possible. Uh, don't try to mix things. If things have to mix, make it easy to separate and educate the consumer to separate those. Uh, you know, definitely use smaller packaging as an opportunity to educate the consumer. For example, if you've got a unit carton or your brow pencil or like a box of staples, right? These are really small boxes that can be recycled. It's great material to be recycled, but too small to get sorted. So what can you do? You can print on the box. You know, there's how to recycle labels and, you know, that stuff's great, but it doesn't really communicate the truth in terms of like what to do with that stuff. So you could print directly on your box and say something like, you know, if it's like a box of staples, you could print on there and say to recycle, you know, flatten this box and place it in your cereal box before recycling, right? Or place it in, um, you know, be specific. Like if it's a, uh, if it's a, you know, if it's a gray board or a chipboard item that's uncoated, similar to what a cereal box is, or if you've got a larger product, you know, tell them, flatten this out, place this in a larger box before putting it in the recycle bin. You know, that will help sort this, you know, get it sorted. You know, it'll actually work and go through the process. Now, what you've got to do is make sure that you're specific and you tell them what material it is and what material to put it into. What you don't want is somebody putting a PET tube into a cardboard box because that's going to screw everybody up. You know, we talk about size mattering. It matters on both ends. You know, when you're talking about something uh, large, making sure that your materials are all the same, not combining different materials. The larger the packaging, sometimes it's an easy opportunity to put things together. Um, for a variety of reasons, if you've got to put things together, if you've got to put, you know, corrugate and the PET tray, uh, you know, all these different materials, of, of, if you've got to have a piece that has to have film lamination for barrier properties, make it so that these items are easy to separate and recycle. Make sure that you communicate to somebody how to do that. Um, you know, communicate to the consumer how to do that. Just print it right on there. Tear this panel out. This has to go to, this cannot be recycled. Separate, you know, remove your insert. And flatten this box. Like talk to them like you're talking to me. You know, just talk to them like a like a normal person. Um, don't worry about using buzzwords because most people don't know what they what they're going to be. Make sure that it's clear, and and do that. That's like the, the simplest things that you can do. Now, the other thing I would say is if you're in the if you're in the beginning of designing sustainable packaging, your brand is tasked you with we need to become more sustainable. Here's here's the the trick. Like here's the the cheat code to that man is like you've got to call up you know you've got to call up your distribution center figure out where they're distributing to you know and the reason i'm saying that is you know are they shipping 50 percent of your orders to california you know 10 percent of your orders to maine like figure out where all these different things are going uh 
So I'm sure there's going to be some area that you're not shipping to, right? You're just not pop. You're just not popular in Oklahoma or what, wherever. Um, figure out where, you know, create a map of where you're, where you're really shipping out your product to. Create a map of where your stores are. Now, if you're a giant, you know, if you're a giant brand that's got stores globally, well, you've got your work cut out for you. Essentially, what you've got to do is create a map of where your products are, are shipping and pick up the phone. Start calling the, the, the MRFs. Start calling the recycling centers. Go on the yellow, go, yellow pages. Go on Google and type in, you know, MRF in Rhode Island and whatever city in Rhode Island, because Rhode Island's going to have a million of them and every city's going to be different. So pick a city, pick like three major cities in each state, call up the MRFs, ask them, if the if this packaging shows up at your at your recycling center, uh, are you going to recycle it? Don't ask them can they recycle it. Ask them if they will recycle it. And if they say yes, great, you've got some good material there. And explain the entire pack. Like you can FaceTime them, Zoom them. Don't show them your packaging. You know, does it have like a ribbon handle? Does it have an insert? Does it have all these different things? And show them if it shows up like this all together, will you recycle it? If they say no, then you've got to figure out how to separate that out. Make it easy for the consumer to separate out. If they say yes, great. Next question is, what are you going to recycle this into? You know, what are you going to sell this material and what's it going to become afterwards? Because they may say yes, but because they're going to bail that up with other materials to sell to you know, somebody that's going to use it for drywall or roof tiles or park benches or Whatever randomness, you know, again, it's that linear process where all of a sudden once it turns into that, it's never turning into anything else again. So make sure that you're, you're making those small calls and asking those questions. You know, find out, will they recycle it and what's it turn into afterwards? Um, again, if they say no, they're not going to recycle it, then you've got, you know, you got your work cut out for you. If they tell you, yeah, they will recycle it, but it's going to turn into park benches, then maybe you got to pick something else. You know, pick a different material. And ask them, okay, if if this material isn't what you what you want, what is a material that you want? What are the more popular materials that are in demand right now for you to resell? Right, because recycling is a business; they've got to resell that product that you're putting in there. So, if it's a crap product, they're going to sell it to a crap buyer. You know, make sure you're you're using the stuff that they're selling for a high price and, and making a profit on, because that's where the demand is, and that's the, that's the material that's going to get pulled through, get recycled. So. Mercer, your friend, that's just one phone call you've just had with Rhode Island. Pick up the phone, call Sydney, you know, see what they're recycling over there. If that's where your product ships also. Ask them the same questions. And on this map you've created, put down what materials are being, are being recycled, what materials they want. Before you even design anything new, before you design new packaging for your brand, find out what people are, you know, what materials are in demand, where you're selling your product. And then you can determine, okay, if I choose a compostable plastic, please don't. But if I choose a compostable plastic, you know, I can sell it in Rhode Island, but I can't sell it in Sydney, right? You, you got, you're going to have trade-offs. You know, if I, if I choose a, um, you know, a hemp paper for the U.S. and that hemp's coming from Europe, you know, my carbon footprint's going to look like this. Um, but now if I'm selling all my product in Europe and it's a hemp-based paper, Okay, my carbon footprint is going to be smaller, right? You've got to make decisions based on what makes sense for your brand to be sustainable, but it takes a lot of work. And this is the work that a lot of brands don't do because it is just a lot of work just to make a decision. 
There's no clear cut answer. There's no pick this material and it's going to work everywhere. You know, basically paper is that material. When it comes to plastics, is you know, people people really get upset when you tell them that um, plastics aren't recyclable. Uh, plastics are recyclable. Technically, everything is recyclable. Uh, it's just a matter of how much money and time it takes to actually recycle something, and if there's enough demand to recycle it. With paper, there's always demand. With plastics, that's not always the case. At the beginning of uh, 2020, you couldn't, you know, recycling centers were not recycling. They weren't recycling um, different types of plastic. They weren't recycling PET, just basic plastics, because there was no demand. It cost too much money. It cost too much money to recycle it, and nobody was buying it. Uh, so that's up to sat around. Now, again, if you've got any questions on any of this, um, I'm going to wrap up here. It's like one o'clock in the morning, and I'm out of drinks. So if you've got any questions on sustainable packaging, definitely reach out. Hunt me down on LinkedIn, Abelio Matos. Um, you can hunt me down on uh, online. You can leave a message on PackageDesignUnbox.com. I'm answering. I answer everything. And uh, I'd love to connect. If you're liking these, if you're liking these types of episodes, leave me a comment. Let me know. Um, I'll keep doing them. Pick a couple other topics. Um, if you don't like these, let me know that too. And um, just looking forward to hearing from you guys. I hope this helps. I hope this helps somebody out there and helps you make a better decision uh, on sustainable packaging. All right, guys. I, I really appreciate you hanging out, hanging in there for this episode, and um, we'll talk soon. Bye. Right, good night. Empty drinks. Worst kind of drinks. <laughs>